It's Captain America against. I've never seen Captain America. I know. Honestly, I, was, I don't think I've was, ever seen a Marvel Marvel movie. <laughs> we got, I, I was watching. I was honestly, I was watching WandaVision. I was like, I want to talk about WandaVision. I was like, am I going to ask Nick if he's ever seen the MCU? And he's going to tell me no. What's MCU? I, he does. The Marvel MC- Cinematic Universe. Oh, I thought that was a wing in a hospital. No, What's I have no MCU? clue. That is a wing in a hospital, too. Anyways. Uh, how, what do your kids talk about with other kids? Well, so that my sons watch Wand Wand WandaVision. WandaVision. Yeah, he he loves it. He's watched it. Oh, that's Who's fun. he watch it with? Himself. Your kids still pretty young. I just don't picture. I don't know. When my kids well, maybe age, maybe he shouldn't be watching it. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I feel like for the most part, if it's on Disney Plus, like it's kind of fair game for him. Yeah. But I just yeah. love, like he loves this Breaking Bad. Should I be watching that with him? I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to Pop Med Podcast. This is Adam Frederick speaking to you from Legalized Oregon. With us as always <laughs> is Justin Inica Pearson. And we've got... Wait, what? <laughs> what, Wait, what? Indica Pearson. And we've got Nick Stevia Otis. You don't know what Indica <laughs> or Stevia are? We'll go into this more. This is, this is our special marijuana episode. <laughs> it's our special after school blossom episode about marijuana. The more you know. <laughs> We should play in a little thing like here from Saved by the Bell about Jesse Spano going, I'm so excited. I'm yeah. so scared. But that was caffeine pills. It was, was caffeine, caffeine pills. pills. Every time I go back to that, I'm like, this was just caffeine pills? This is what we were all freaked out about? It brings me flashbacks to Adam's college days, man. Adam abused caffeine pills. In I college. did. It was a messed up. Yeah, I felt. Uh, you know, he bad. often would stay up all night studying before a test, and he would he would down those Walmart pharmacy caffeine pills until I did, overdid it one time. <laughs> what does that mean? Like your heart exploded? Like how do you overdo caffeine pills? I had like one of the few panic attacks I think I've ever had. Yeah, I remember. It, that. it freaked me out. Are caffeine pills still a thing, or is it like you just down oh, yeah. like like a bunch of five hour energy and call it a day? I think both. Yeah. But yeah, they still got no dose. I remember when I was first coming up in the hotel industry, I used to work a ton of like 16-hour shifts. Like I'd work 3 to 11 and then like the night auditor wouldn't come in. So I'd have to stay overnight the whole time and like work that shift too and all this stuff. And I used to drink those huge Red Bulls. I mean, I'd probably have three or four of them in my shift. And I remember one time I got home and I was trying to lay in, in bed and my heart was literally like, boom, 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 boom. I mean, I could, I was so scared. Yeah. Probably didn't help with your atrial fibrillation. Well, that was before I, I knew about that. But yeah, probably not. <laughs> so. Oh, that's a legit thing you got going on? I think so. I don't know. <laughs> you almost got life flighted? Yeah. Well, didn't we tell this story? We told this story, yeah. Yeah. What, like right before, I mean, my wife was like eight and a half months pregnant. It was a Labor Day weekend in 2010. And I woke up in the middle of the night and like my heart was just racing like like so fast. I felt like maybe I was just had a bad dream or something. I didn't realize. So I kind of got up at like five in the morning. I woke my father-in-law up and I'm like, hey, I think I think I need to go to the hospital because I just can't figure out how to calm down. So I remember like waking up my wife gently and be like, hey, honey, just so you know, I'm having some weird heart issues. No big deal. I'm going to the ER. You just go back <laughs> to sleep. And she's like, what? She's like, I'm not going back to sleep. Are you crazy? So like she piled in the car, waddled down the, the steps, popped 
oh boy, I edit the waddle part. But like, <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. She'd be fine with this. So she she gets in the car, we go, and I don't know what they put like an EKG on me, and they realize that I'm yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm an AFib, and my heart was beating over 200 beats a minute, oh. really fast. And then they gave me through an IV this medicine that was supposed to slow it down. It only slowed it down to like 175 beats per minute. So they thought they they were going to have to. And again, this is in northern Podunk, Wisconsin, right? So like I went to like essentially a walk-in clinic hospital. Like it wasn't that big of a deal at all. So they thought they were going to have to airlift me over to a bigger hospital where there was a cardiologist on site that could take care of me. But I guess the doctor there called the cardiologist and they said, well, let's defibrillate them, which is weird. They, they actually knocked me out for it. So I don't remember, but I know they put a sticker like over my chest and like a sticker on my side, which like in the movies, you never see that, right? It's like the paddles, like clear, boom, like it wasn't that at all, but I was unconscious for it. And they used the defibrillator and it popped back into rhythm and it was fine. Mm -hmm. So it's good that you don't use the caffeine pills anymore. Yeah. Or the Red Bull. Yeah. Yeah. Caffeine pills is me. Red Bull's him. Come on, keep us keep your drug addict straight. The tough thing about AFib now for me is I can't tell if it's just anxiety. I can't tell if it's I'm just nervous. Like I just can't tell why sometimes my heart starts beating weird. So I bought this thing online. It's it's called Carta, mm-hmm. where like I can put my thumbs on it and it'll read my heart pattern, essentially do a CKG, KGB, whatever it is. I, I don't know what it's called. EKG. EKG, yeah. They'll do a Russian spy organization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, it's taking your thumbprints, man. Yeah, the KGB comes and, and make sure I'm okay. And I have that thing and I just test myself and, and see if anything's going on. So That's cool. Should we talk about the doobies? Oh, boy. Just for the record... Real quick, my wife heard me talking, and she's already commented about the waddle thing. <laughs> she sent she sent this text of waddled with a duck emoji. <laughs> and then she wanted me to mention, which I don't think this, this is relevant, but for some reason coming out of the medicine, we had a ton of people there. And I don't even remember this. I have no clue. But I guess when they were putting something on my chest, I asked them if... <laughs> I asked them if it was nipple clamps, if they were putting nipple clamps on me. You really thought it was the KGB. (laughs) Yeah. What do you want to know? Do anything to me. I don't care. I'll tell you anything. (laughs) But I guess I I embarrassed her. So, yeah, we're talking about marijuana, and I watched Pineapple (laughs) Express. Justin watched Dazed and Confused. And then what did you watch, Nick? I watched Friday. Oh, right, 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 right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So this should be fun. So... We all know that Nick's seen Pineapple Express because oh, yes. it's really, it really got him in with his in-laws real nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you seen any either Pineapple Express or Friday, Justin? No. Oh. Have we all seen Days and Confused? I've seen parts of Days and Confused throughout my life. I don't mm-hmm. know if I've ever actually sat down and watched beginning to end, but I've seen a ton. Like so that's the Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. All right, all right, all right, yeah. right? Like that's that's yeah. So I've seen a lot of runs that movie, on TBS but... or TNT just like Correct. Regularly. You know, what's funny about that movie is it probably don't really have to watch it straight through. Like the way that you've watched it is probably just as effective as (laughs) watching it. I get that one confused with Fast Times at Ridgemont High all the time. Oh, they're completely different movies. I know, but I feel like the characters, maybe just the the way the characters act are similar. I mean, yeah, you're doing a high school story and stuff. Yeah. Spicoli's kind of the pothead, but otherwise. Kind of. (laughs) Isn't Dazed and Confused all one night? Yeah. Yeah, it's one night, one party. Okay, that's fair. I would say it's more like your classic party episodes, like Can't Hardly Wait, which is one of my favorite high school 
chose. But anyways, I think we should talk about Dazed and Confused first, since it's the one we're the most familiar with, all of us. And it's probably also got the least to actually talk about as far as like the medicine of marijuana. Yeah. But it, but it is a classic film. And I used to joke, if you watch Dazed and Confused, I, I got a contact high from watching Dazed and Confused. <laughs> I just felt like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's Richard Linklater is the director and writer, and he has done several movies that are just, he does it a little bit differently. You know, he's done the movie Boyhood, which he won Oscars for, which films a boy every year over 12 years in real time and does certain scenes every year, you know, for 12 years and made Take it into commitment. this three-hour movie. Yeah, he really wants to capture the essence of life without really over-dramatizing it. And Dazed and Confused was his arrival onto the scene, and it started this kind of idea of movie making. It was original in that way. And it didn't make a lot at the box office, but it became a cult classic in a way afterwards, and it was really well-reviewed from the beginning. And it's an interesting movie because, yeah, it just goes through the last day of school and that night and follows several different high school kids. And it goes through like hazing process of the incoming seniors to the incoming freshmen. And one of these hazing processes that you see throughout the movie is Ben Affleck trying to paddle whip the freshmen. Tell me about Ben Affleck's in this movie? Yep. I don't think I've ever seen this movie then. <laughs> I would say it would not be surprising if you've watched this movie and you don't realize Ben Affleck's in it. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Right. So he's the bully, O'Bannon. He goes around with his paddle and he tries to smack the bums of the freshmen. So that he... Bums? <laughs> he tries to smack the... He tries to paddle oh, the panties God. of the incoming <laughs> freshmen. <laughs> Are you going to use backside next time? He Jeez, tries always. to wrap them on the tushy. <laughs> He wants to disturb their coccyxes. <laughs> That's worse. <laughs> you might as well say butt or ass if you're going to say coccyx or whatever you just said. I'm sorry. All right. So anyway, <laughs> so that's a running thing, you know, and eventually the freshmen get back at him and dump some paint on his head. They also haze the incoming freshman girls by, like, throwing eggs and stuff on them. They smoke marijuana throughout. There's a pothead that just kind of wanders in and out of the movie. His name is Slater. It's the original Slater, I guess. AC. He's just kind of half delirious the whole time. <laughs> In fact, we'll use that as our first discussion. Near the end, they all kind of gather to a party outside and they're kind of smoking weed and drinking beer. And Slater is pontificating about the origins of the country. And, uh, you know, he's pretty high. You guys know what that song's about? It's about aliens. We're the aliens, man. About aliens? Yeah, man. You didn't know that? This country is founded. It was founded by people who were in the aliens, man. George Washington, man. He was in a cult. And the cult was in the aliens, man. You didn't know that? Oh, man. They were way into that type of stuff, man. George took weed. Absolutely, George took weed. Are you kidding me, man? He even feels of that stuff, man. That's what I'm talking about. It feels. It grew all over the country, man. The whole country back then was getting hot. Let me tell you, man. Because he knew that it would be a good cash crop for the southern states, man. So he grew fields of it, man. But you know what? Behind every good man, there's a woman. And that woman was Martha Washington, man. And every day George would come home, she'd have a big fat bull waiting for him, man, when he'd come in the door, man. She was a hip, a hip, hip lady, man. And she, she was real cool, too. She'd harvest the crops, man. That's what I'm talking about. She'd put in the bushels and stuff and sell it, you know, because they had to, you know, make ends meet and stuff. 
I mean, did you ever look at a dollar bill, man? There's some spooky stuff going on on a dollar bill, man. Yeah. I mean, and it's green, too. I mean, this sounds like straight out of QAnon. <laughs> yeah, it was straight out. So it's a great little, you know, That's classic speech. So marijuana or cannabinoid syndromes or cannabis is, there are a couple of different things that it does when you get high. And one can of them- Can we ask, can I have time out before we get going? I have yeah. to ask, and we can edit this out. Who all here has smoked weed before? I've never smoked. Well, we can, I mean, or, I can or tell who, Who's story. been high, I guess. Yeah, I mean- Okay. And you're the only one. So like, I almost feel this feels weird talking about experiences from getting high when only one of us has ever been high. Well, you have to know the medicine of it, I guess. I mean, we can talk about that. I mean, we talked about drug addiction and heroin and meth and none of us had ever done that either. (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess. I I dabble in oxys when I tore my ACL because it made me get dizzy and sleep sometimes. And and that probably got a little too crazy. Yeah. But never, but I never got, I I don't think I ever got high off of it. I took some once when I had a super bad headache, the doctor gave them to me and I was really funny. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not funny usually. (laughs) That's true. Okay. So do you guys want me to tell my story now or later? Throw it in wherever it fits in. Did you have a point about George Washington and the... Well, no, my point to asking if anyone's been high is because I feel like Justin was about ready to go down how it affects you by doing those things. And frankly him and I don't really have ever experienced or know. So like, I, I was curious if like, maybe you, if you feel comfortable being oh, no, the barometer know. of anyone that's ever been high before, I mean, you can say like, sure. I guess what I get at sometimes the medicine is you guys learn all this in books, but like, Justin, you don't really, I mean, you know, the side effects, I guess, from smoking marijuana, but I've been around enough people to know that what may happen to me from smoking marijuana may not happen to you and may not happen to Adam. So So. I'll counter that a little bit. Most of the things I see on my job, I have not experienced. Mm -hmm. I just see them. Yeah, but there's a difference. I feel like there's a difference between (laughs) seeing a compound fracture of the tibia and someone who's smoked pot. Many of people who smoked pot and come into the ER. So I do have experience in this. I don't want to diminish that. I mean, my goodness, if you like Justin, you're the ultimate professional. Yeah, I have to say that there's this is one of the episodes where I was kind of like, you've been posting stuff on Reddit. And if you post this episode (laughs) on Reddit, like those people will go through the roof like, oh, they're totally misrepresenting what yeah. cannabinoids and marijuana can do. It's the magic heal all of everything. There's <laughs> no way it can be addictive. There's no downside. It's only upside. They don't even know. But yeah, I just. There is, there's definitely the potential to upset people on both sides of the spectrum with this episode. I could get on my soapbox for just one second and say that I think it's important to dispel some myths of marijuana. Yeah. And also to be just straight about what it causes and what kind of you know problems it can lead to. And also, you know, what possible benefits there are. Let's legalize the stuff. Come on, Justin, I'll say it. I think that we can represent it in a fair way, you know, in a lot of different contexts. So I hope that we can kind of do that and not upset too many people or not make too many people wish they weren't listening to our podcast. Can you also talk about somehow, and I know you guys aren't professionals in this necessarily, but like, can we dispel the myth of it being a gateway drug, please? Um, Can we dispel the myth of it being a gateway drug? <laughs> like, so, so what I'm saying is I could totally picture my grandmother listening to this because she tries to listen to these podcasts and me saying, let's legalize this because there's probably enough studies that go around that alcohol 
is maybe even worse than ingesting marijuana or using marijuana. And she would disagree because it's a gateway drug to heroin and crack is is what she's been force fed in her mind her whole life. So yes, like could something lead to something else? I think the biggest reason that marijuana became a gateway drug is because if you were already seeking out something illegal, you could get something else illegal. Yeah. And yeah. so like if you got marijuana, then that person also maybe could get you cocaine or could, or you mm-hmm. went to a place where there's illegal things. Whereas like alcohol doesn't necessarily lead to that that often because plenty of people just grab legal alcohol on the weekend and have a barbecue. They don't have cocaine too because that was illegal to get. And so yeah. the legalization itself probably prevents more of that gateway. It's just, it's such a hard thing when you say gateway drug, because I think that, I think Justin was going to get into this a little bit. (laughs) It's been so misrepresented, uh, particularly by our government. You know, it's hard to speak to other governments about what it actually does. Like how many Mm -hmm. studies there were that were completely contradictory to the policy in this country. For instance, you know, it became very illegal in the 20s and 30s. They made it illegal, much like they made alcohol illegal, where it wasn't necessarily that the marijuana was illegal, but you had to have some sort of tax structure where you paid a thousand dollars in taxes a year, and then you could actually have marijuana, but it was still illegal to smoke marijuana. I mean, it was just this weird legal loophole stuff. And then it became a mandatory sentencing of like two to 10 years, even for your first possession of marijuana, which just sounds insane to me. And then it got kind of legalized in the sixties. Things got dropped a little bit more. Things became a little bit more free. And then Nixon came along. And even though he had this whole government council that was saying, yeah, marijuana doesn't do that much. It's not this terrible reefer madness drug. He still made it a schedule two, just as bad as opiates. And he and Reagan reintroduced mandatory minimums. And schedule stuff. one. Schedule one. Sorry, schedule one, schedule one. And without evidence, just because I want to talk about it with my movie. So we won't go into it too far, but yeah, like gateway drug. What does that even mean? I'm going to do marijuana, so I'm going to crave something else. I'm going to do marijuana. And because I do marijuana, I'm associated with those people. Like that's what, I don't even know what gateway means. I think people are naive to believe. And I'm thinking again, back to maybe an older generation, right? If I smoke marijuana, something in my brain is going to trigger me to want a different high that's more severe than marijuana. So I'm just going to need to go into something deeper like cocaine or something else that's going to bring me down this road of chasing the dragon, if you will, which is what we talked a little bit about when we talked about the addiction piece. So I think that it's hard to show, you know, association and causation as separate things in this case, because if people are looking for a high and they can access marijuana, then maybe they'll go that route. But if marijuana wasn't accessible and they're looking for a high, they would get opiates. But they're associated because what Adam was saying, you know, yeah. if somebody who's looking for a high will try and get it whichever way they can. So I don't know that gateway drug is a fair way to characterize marijuana. It depends, I guess, on your definition. But you did mention alcohol is more dangerous thing. And I think there's plenty of evidence to back that up, that alcohol leads to much more serious problems and it's legal. And yeah, it's hard to argue the need for marijuana to be illegal when you're looking at the results of other drugs as far as danger to yourself and other people versus this drug. But getting back to my point about Days and Confused, his discussion about George Washington, there are a couple of disorders that are identified associated with marijuana use. And he is sort of representing one called cannabis-induced psychotic disorder, (laughs) which is delusions and maybe hallucinations. But wait, 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 wait. He's not completely delusional. George Washington did grow marijuana. 
he just used it as hemp, which was actually a really popular fabric back in the days of George Washington. But there is pretty good evidence that all of those people in the early Americas that grew hemp didn't realize you could smoke it and weren't actually smoking it, even though the Native Americans were kind of like, I don't know how, what you're missing, but <laughs> like, this stuff's yeah. pretty great. <laughs> but he was growing hemp. In fact, in Virginia, there was a law that you had to grow hemp if you had acreage because it was such a great, such a versatile plant. And not to mention, I'm no expert here, but I think the last time I looked at a dollar bill, it's green. <laughs> and there's that weird pyramid with the eyes, so aliens, you know. So aliens, for sure. But yes, the alien part. The alien part doesn't make sense. <laughs> Delusions, hallucinations, typically with cannabis-induced psychotic disorder. And this becomes a tricky thing in the ER. I'm just going to use sort of how it applies in my work environment. Often we see people come into the ER with psychotic symptoms, meaning delusions, hallucinations that sometimes end in dangerous situations. So people, you know, running naked down the street, for example. That's my movie. Okay, there you go. So we'll get to that a little bit more, but that's a psychosis and that can be caused by a number of different things. Some of them are mental disorders and others are drug-induced disorders. Those are the two main things that cause this kind of problem. So when people come into the ER, we have to discern between whether it's a drug-induced disorder or a psychotic disorder, because they have very different treatments and outcomes. And so we kind of can tell sometimes with drug screens, sometimes you can tell with sort of the timing of the psychosis versus when they did marijuana. We know that it causes psychosis, but the question is whether it- What's psychosis? What are you saying when you say psychosis? Psychosis are symptoms, including delusions, hallucinations, thinking that things aren't how they are, imagining the government is after you or people from the radio are talking to you, hearing voices, seeing things that aren't there. This is all part of the psychosis umbrella. Isn't there some thought that a couple things, one, that sometimes those psychotic episodes are because the marijuana is either laced with something else, or maybe they're actually doing some other things besides the marijuana. I I don't know. Like you see this far more in the ER than I do. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you just, I thought you fell asleep and ate. Yeah, some people are affected differently, and that's why they call this cannabis-induced psychotic disorder. There are different disorders that can be unmasked or present with cannabis use, but not everybody gets these disorders when they use cannabis. Just like some people just can't handle their alcohol or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we know that that can happen from cannabis use, but there's also a question in the medical community about whether it can unmask schizophrenia earlier than it appears. And so there's also sort of an interesting difficulty in trying to figure out whether um, marijuana causes schizophrenia or whether it makes it worse when you have it or whether schizophrenia makes people smoke marijuana more often because they're looking for some relief. But there's definitely an association between use and schizophrenia or other psychotic. If there's a message I tell like my teenagers and kids, it's that I kind of say marijuana might be okay for you to do. Like I'm not totally against it, but try to avoid it until after you're 21. That's some loose research that maybe if people are smoking marijuana before 21, it might cause schizophrenia. Although like Justin says, it may just be a correlation because people with schizophrenia tend to smoke more. We know that. And then potentially it's just unmasking something that would have come about anyways, you know, three years down the road, it just comes about sooner. Yeah. So there's another scene that happens about the same time as this scene where one of the sort of nerds he's in with his couple of friends there, they decide to show up at the party too. And he mutters under his breath a little quip when he passes by these kind of tough guy bullies about, oh, they're, they're that pothead or something like this. Remember, now the fans of Dazed and Confused are going to come after me <laughs> because I get 
exactly what he says. He says something under his breath and the guy hears him. And he says, what'd you say? He's like, yeah, I'm a pothead. And he shoves him. He's like, what are you going to do about it? And he, he gets really aggressive and wants to fight him. And the star quarterback comes in and saves the day and, and separates him. And he goes on his way. But then he gets really worked up. This, this nerdy kid uh, is like, I'm going to get back at him. you know. So he decides to stand up for himself and he lays a, a good punch in. And then the guy just lays into him and he just gets totally. <laughs> um, but that's another thing that can happen with cannabis use. It's called cannabis induced anxiety disorder. And that's disturbance from cannabis use that include anxiety or hyped up paranoia and panic and things associated with that that can happen as well. So it can affect people differently in different ways sometimes. And then there's a cannabis-induced sleep disorder that's probably also represented in this movie because they're just kind of laid out <laughs> after they get high, you know. Some of these, it's it, I don't want to meld together disorders and just symptoms of smoking marijuana because when they're disorders, it's just kind of a severe form of some of these symptoms, just things that it will do for most people. But I kind of wanted to bring those up in the context of this movie because that's what I thought of to talk about uh, regarding... Are, are you vamping right now? <laughs> Nick and I can jump in. You don't have to like stall out there. Um. <laughs> Justin, are you, Justin, are you high right now? You high? I was going to mail you guys both something so we could do this episode extra special. <laughs> so then after this, they go to the football field just to smoke, you know, and that's like the end of the movie. They all kind of have this awakening and they're like i don't want to just go about my life and all this stuff and then the police find them and the coach comes and get them and and that's the whole plot is the coach trying to get the star quarterback to sign the no drug policy but then at the end star quarterback crumples up the policy and throws it away and is like i'll decide not to smoke on my own terms basically and that's the big plot point of the movie but yeah, interesting movie. I kind of came away from it thinking, I don't know what to make of that because there wasn't much plot. It was just a bunch <laughs> of high school kids like, wandering around, you know, running away from getting hazed and doing their thing and doing some marijuana. I mean, I think we could all agree that most movies that the plot is very thick with just marijuana usage. There's normally not a pretty thick plot to the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say what Justin's talking about is specifically this director, this is how he does stuff. It's supposed yeah. to be just like, us hanging out on a high school night. There's no plot. Like the biggest plot yeah. might be us getting to a party. Yeah. Whereas my movie definitely has a plot. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go into your movie, Adam. Okay. Well, do you want to rate yours? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. This might be what yeah. you're talking about, about uh, how we can actually rate the realism, but go ahead. Yeah, I think it was realistic as far <laughs> as thought use, but it's hard for me to say that part because... I just see the sort of emergencies that arise from the pot use. And there wasn't florid psychosis in this movie. It's just the mild psychosis or a mild delirium or the mild aggression that can come with the use of pot. But it was realistic. So I'd say an 8 out of 10 as far as medical realism, what it does, how it affects people. I was really hoping that we'd get the greatest revelation I've ever had in my life and that Justin would have said, yeah, I used to smoke a ton of pot at a certain point in his life. I mean, I knew that was what the odds were against us on that, almost as much as the odds of the Jazz ever winning a championship. But I was just hoping and praying that somehow Justin would be like, yeah, I used to be. I think about the only way that's going to happen is if I come over to Justin's house and I'm like, oh, I brought some chocolate chip cookies. 
And he's just like, you're really bad at making chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It does bring up, I'm going to share this story. I don't care. My mom used to always, and my mom is a very religious woman, but she used to smoke pot in her day as a youngin, but she hasn't in a very long time. But I remember I was talking to her one day when she lives in Florida and they were talking about legalizing marijuana and maybe like if the church's stance that she, she belongs to would like loosen up the restrictions on, on smoking pot if she would do it. And I just remember her saying, you know, I don't think I'd ever smoke pot again, but I'd eat it every day. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that so much about my mom. She's like, no, I don't think I could smoke it, but I'd eat it every day. It was so great. I should say as well, when I'm, we're talking about realism of this movie, like there was one part where senior to be is talking to the main freshman character and is like, Hey man, are you cool? man?" <laughs> and the freshman character is like, uh, what do you mean? And then the, you know, the quarterback, the cool quarterback comes up to him and is like, he's just asking you if you've smoked pot before. <laughs> That's funny. And he's like, Oh, no, I I haven't smoked pot before, you know, and so the prevalence of pot smoking in high school is pretty high. So I guess it's 44% among seniors have tried pot before. Hmm. Uh, So it's a pretty ubiquitous drug in high school. And I think that they represented that in this movie. When was that study taken, Justin? Uh, 2013, I think. Yeah, see, if I had to bet, I bet it's lower now. I think it's lower, but I bet the amount of things people have tried has expanded since 2013. It was interesting. They also did a study about, they looked at San Francisco prevalence versus like Amsterdam prevalence. And they were the same during a time that San Francisco, it was illegal to smoke pot and Amsterdam, it was legal to do pot. But the prevalence of doing pot was exactly the same in both places which was interesting. You know, I think that's one of the arguments. Oh, we need to make it illegal so that not as many people get involved with this gateway drug, but that's not actually a thing. Yeah, I would disagree with you, Nick, and only because vaping's become so popular and vaping is ridiculously popular in high school. I mean, stupidly popular, especially because how dangerous vaping is. But you can get like, you know, the legalized now in a lot of states vaping pens for cannabinoids. So I think it's probably more popular, fortunately. I guess where I was going with that is I feel like, especially with opioids, like it's more available now than it was when I was in high school, right? Like, and maybe it was just me and my friends, but we never looked through our parents' medicine cabinet to try to find something to get us high. Mm -hmm. And I feel like now, even when you talk about something like Ritalin and that sort of thing, it's just it's there. It's just easier to get. And it may even be easier to get into your parents' medicine cabinet than it is to find someone who's selling pot. Okay. But I don't want to scare any of us. We all have young kids. And Adam, you probably have kids closer to the age of, of that kind of stuff. So hopefully we're all wrong. And No, I, I'm not worried. That's that's part of it. Like I, I am. <laughs> I'm worried. I just, yeah. I, I look at the way we've handled drugs in this country for the longest time, and it's just been the exact wrong way. And I think, oh yeah, for sure. I think the fear factor is exactly why that was driven that way. So I don't, I don't have a lot of fear about this now. Yeah. You can still do marijuana the wrong way, just like you can do alcohol the wrong way. Like you shouldn't do marijuana and then drive. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit in my movie, but like to be afraid of a kid eating too many Doritos and having a weird experience playing Mario Kart, watching Rainbow Road. I mean, I was doing that anyways. I just was doing it sober. Yeah. No, no, no. I guess I guess I'd clarify. I'm more afraid of the accessibility to a lot of different things that wasn't accessible when I was a teenager. Oh, or at least yeah. That's what mm-hmm. I say I'm afraid of is like 
I'd rather if my kid's going to try anything, I hope he tries marijuana. Yeah, like yeah. That, that's no. what I hope he goes for. Yeah. And he doesn't, you know, have some friend that's gone down a different road. And I would you know, say try and the pendulum swung. Like Justin and I got trained in a time where it was like pain is the sixth vital sign. You should yeah. treat pain aggressively. I mean, we were like when when we hear these news reports about opioids, Justin and I are like, oh, yeah. man, I was right in the middle of that train. We you that, can't get yeah. addicted to it. People don't mm. get addicted because you put them on narcotics, yeah. all this stuff like that. That is what I was trained was in residency. It was beat into me. Yeah. And then as I moved from California to here in Oregon, um, I, w- I worked with a guy who was kind of at the forefront of too many opioids and stuff like that. I was interviewing with him. And he was talking about how he ran a bunch of clinics here and he had made it so none of his providers could prescribe opioids or benzos. And that was insane to me. Like that was just like so antithetical to what we learned in residency. And he was right because of that opioid epidemic. So that was a long way of saying it's gone the other direction at this point, Nick, thankfully. There's still people doing it for sure. There was a guy that was arrested in New York just the other day for like grievous bodily harm to his patients and stuff is getting prosecuted. But my clinic is a no opioid clinic and very little benzos, like no long-term benzos and stuff. So I'm hoping the accessibility is dropping. Yeah. In Utah County, there's been a dramatic, dramatic change from even in the 10 years that I've been practicing as far as how many people are giving out opioids and addicted opioids and how many opioid overdose deaths we work in the ER. There's a huge difference now from when I came out of residency season. But I was going to speak to your comment, Nick, about like accessibility of anything. And I think it goes back to the comment that we had earlier. I still have that fear. And honestly, I think it's partly cultural, but I think it's partly because I do have this idea that if my kids think it's okay to do marijuana, they're going to think it's okay to do other things. So it's that gateway question, right? Is there a line that kids feel like are put upon them morally, either I've crossed that line and I'm just going to do drugs or I'm always going to stay behind that line. And because of the accessibility of marijuana or opiates or anything, it's like, I don't want my kids to cross that line because all of these uh, substances have the potential to do things that aren't great medically. And then I think about what you were talking about, Adam, about how to teach your kids. And there's benefit to that too, because then there's not this sort of forbidden line, there's more of a responsibility spectrum, right? And so I think there's lots of ways to do it. And you have to be responsible when you're figuring out how to teach that and do that, because it's the irresponsibility, it's the creating a fear or the failure to teach about these substances in the right way that'll get you into trouble. Yeah. We don't do politics. And so I'm not doing politics or anything, but it's just, I think it's just the idea of Sometimes we want people to do the, our jobs for us as parents so that we just don't have to have the actual conversation. I think it's the complete failure of abstinence only is that it was like, oh, we're not going to actually talk to and treat these kids as adults. And that's going to lead to more problems because they're never yeah. going to learn about sex education or what those type of things are going to be because we don't trust them. So we're going to say no to everything. And even if they're not rebellious, People, quote unquote, make mistakes or make different choices than you would want them to. And if they don't know better, then all of a sudden they're in a bad situation. All of a sudden they're getting some marijuana from some suspect source that maybe is laced with LSD or PCP or something, which is something they would do to enhance the hallucinogenic high with cannabinoids or something like that. Or 
or you know they're learning about sex from their friends or off the internet or something, which is a far more destructive form. And they're afraid to talk about their parents once they do something like that. You know, they go down this path with friends and then they're scared to death to talk to their parents and they there's a rift that's made and then there's even less uh, accountability because they don't have a trust with their confidants or... I No, I, I, what you're saying is totally... I am proudest of my parenting of the fact that my kids will talk to me about stuff that would have mortified me to talk about with my parents. Um, <laughs> that that Cameron will make a masturbation joke in front of me is one of my proudest <laughs> things. <laughs> Might edit that part out. Anyway, so <laughs> let's move on to mine. Uh, Pineapple Express. I love this movie. I find this movie quite hilarious. Seth Rogen, James Franco, Judd Apatow produced. So just a lot of comedy high ground there. Oh, and Kenny Powers. Yeah. What's Kenny Powers' real name? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, I can't. He's also he's a so genius. funny in this. Yeah, he's so great. Thug life. <laughs> so, oh, before Pineapple Express, if anyone wants to see, just see or, and maybe Justin will put in a little clip from this, of the stereotypical, everything that happens to people stereotypically on marijuana. There's a movie called Paul, which is the same guys who were acting in Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and stuff, except it's an alien movie. And the alien Paul is Seth Rogen. And the alien Paul is running from the government. And he's smoking marijuana and they've got Kristen Wiig from Saturday Night Live is like hanging out with them. She's been like this shut in this whole time. She's run away with them. And Paul is smoking this joint and she's like, can I try that? And he's like, oh, be careful. That's military grade stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and she, she takes a big, like a big drag and she proceeds to have every stereotypical reaction to marijuana in like 30 seconds. <laughs> and it is hilarious. You guys partake? I'll Are you sure? <laughs> it's pretty strong. I get it from the military, actually. This is the stuff that killed Dylan. Hope Dylan's not dead. Isn't he? Hit me. Okay, just, uh, you know, go easy on it. It's not so bad. Uh, to be fair, it takes a while to be absorbed. <laughs> Sausages? Uh, what do you mean by that? No. Why do you guys hate me? Can we cook up some sausages? Oh, I have wasps in my brain! Totally fine. That happened to me the first time. And then just like passes out of sleep, just like this heavy snoring. So that's a, that's a really fun, just like stereotypical comedy way to see marijuana. So Pineapple Express, the original... Con- Danny McBride. Danny McBride, yeah. The original conceit of this script was Jad Apatow asked Seth Rogen, could you stop smoking marijuana if your life depended on it? So that is basically the plot of this movie. So Seth Rogen is a, <laughs> he serves subpoenas. That's his job. Goes around and dresses up in like various costumes and outfits to get places and serves. He serves subpoena to like an ER doc or a surgeon. He like dresses up like a doctor and walks into the hospital and serves the guy. <laughs> um, it's pretty great. Uh, just knocking on doors, like pretty classical. Everyone hates him because no one wants to get the subpoena served to them. But the whole time he's doing it, he is smoking marijuana, like driving down the cars in LA, like listening to this talk radio show, calling in and being like, this is why marijuana should be legal and stuff. This is still before marijuana was really legal anywhere. And that was my first thing. There is no way as I, when I get to my story about doing marijuana that I would have been able to drive. But people do build up a tolerance to this stuff. 
And so Seth Rogen, I think, is notorious in Hollywood, at least in the early days, for having been pretty freely using marijuana. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he'd build up that tolerance. Still, I'll never, ever recommend that if you're taking marijuana regularly, that you should be driving a car for a lot of different reasons. So can I ask a question about that real quick, though? So if it, it is legal, right, and it's recreational in some states, yeah. how do you police people not driving after smoking it? Because obviously with alcohol, there's tests, sobriety tests you could take on the side of the road for police to determine that, hey, this person's too drunk to drive. Yeah. Is there any test or anything like that to say this person's too high to drive? So what you're talking about is breathalyzers versus like Justin will do a blood alcohol level in the ER or something like that. Correct. There's nothing like yep. that for marijuana, at least not to my knowledge. There's basically, if you have it in your system or don't you, and we do urine tests that tell that for our psychosis exams like we were talking about before, but it will say, is there THC? Yes or no. And THC is the psychoactive portion of the- It gets you high. The marijuana, yeah. But the problem with those tests is it can be in your blood for a good month after you smoke it. So it's hardly helpful in court yeah. for the prosecutors. It has to be a, you know, like you said, a field sobriety test. It has to be a, they yeah. couldn't do this, yeah. they couldn't do this. Yeah. Okay. Or they were swerving in and out of traffic or- they were going seven miles per hour in a 65. That was nitrous oxide, though. <laughs> when I think of legalization, that's my only qualm about it that I still struggle with, is how do we prevent people from being responsible yeah. and taking that piece of it responsible? If you're sitting in your basement at that 70s show doing what you want, like, go ahead, bro. Like, do what you want. But getting behind the, the wheel of a car is a much different situation, I think. Yeah. So look what's happened with alcohol. Yeah. And, but alcohol, you're right. You can say you can catch people a lot easier. Yep. Yeah. But even there, can't isn't there a pretty legal, like large legal precedence about like refusing the breathalyzer test and things like that? Oh, I think prosecutors have ways around that. What about defenders? You work with them more. Yeah. <laughs> I was just wondering, does she ever defend DUI cases or things like that and talk about those type of things? She does federal cases. They're oh, usually not DUI she's, cases she's or state cooler. cases. So I'm not sure. <laughs> she's way more awesome. So anyways, Dale, who's Seth Rogen, is going to Saul. Saul is the James Franco character. Dale was supposed to be, Seth Rogen was supposed to be the drug dealer. And James Franco was supposed to be the guy who had the job and kind of had his stuff together. But James Franco saw the script and he's like, nah, Dale's got all the best lines. And so they switched up and it actually, I think, works way better this way. So he goes to get his drug and there's just some classic drug dealer behavior where like you go get the drug from the drug dealer and you just want your marijuana, but your drug dealer wants you to hang out and smoke for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and then like they've got the cross joint that's got like three points on it. And so it takes two <laughs> people to light and then you get like extra high from it. <laughs> so true story. You know where they got that from? The cross joint? Snoop Dogg. Oh, okay. Yeah, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> so Snoop Dogg showed Seth Rogen the cross joint and that's how they got into the script. That's a real thing that Snoop showed him. <laughs> That sounds about right. And so they go there and then Dale goes to serve his next thing and he witnesses a murder. And <laughs> the drug, the marijuana, and, and marijuana's got the greatest names like Maui Wowie and Pineapple Express, which is the one that is the titular marijuana in this. So Saul has gotten the only Pineapple Express from Danny McBride's character, who's his middleman. And Danny McBride only got it from this guy who happened to be the person who did the murder. And he comes out and just like picks up the joint that Dale has dropped out of the car as he's trying to run away. After he <laughs> and he's like, and he smokes it. Pineapple Express. And just from there, they know that Danny McBride has got the only Pineapple Express. And Danny McBride knows he's only given it to James Franco. And so then 
it just becomes a buddy comedy where James Franco and Seth Rogen are running away from the marijuana dealers, which their first run is, is classic. So they're in the car and they're running away. <laughs> and he goes, Seth Rogen's like, where do we go? Where do we go? And James Franco's like, I don't know, hotel, motel, holiday inn. And I was like, oh, that's so great. That's, tonight. that's so awesome. And so they just drive out into the woods. And they just proceed to like hang out in the woods, smoking pot and just doing stupid stuff. Those scenes in the woods are so funny. I mean, they're just hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty glad. Did your mother-in-law like them? No, no, no there wasn't. Again, we, we told the story, but Amanda and I, when we first started dating, we'd been dating for a while, but we went on a double date with her parents and we decided to go see Pineapple Express. It just came out. And right at the beginning of the movie, what Adam was talking about, where Seth Rogen's going to meet Saul, he opens up <laughs> he opens up the, the bag of weed and he smells it. He goes, oh, it smells like and ever since that comment, like my, I like looked over at my mother, my mother-in-law, and she found nothing amusing from that, that point forward. And it was, <laughs> yeah, it was like ice daggers, like at the. Movie. I'm surprised she stayed. As well, my father-in-law was belly laughing next to her. I mean, he was having the time of his life. So like, <laughs> there, there is no way she was leaving. But yeah. So they run from them. They go to see the Danny McBride character. A hilarious fight scene ensues between the three of them and probably what it would be like to fight someone who's high because they're just doing the stupidest things and using the stupidest methods to like beat the crap out of each other and having like hilarious dialogue in the process. Like, I don't want to hurt you. Wham! And like hitting each other over the head. <laughs> they tape him up. Oh, the way they tape him up again, because they, they don't rope him up. They just take duct tape and they like kind of like just multiple places, like tape him down, almost like interrupted sutures, just one stitch, one duct tape around one arm, <laughs> around the leg, just just so much duct tape that he almost like held down just by the weight of the duct tape. And then two other characters come in at that point. They remind me of the characters from Pulp Fiction, although like way less intense. They're coming in and they're supposed to be the muscle for the drug dealer. It's like so, like Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, but just like the super dorky, like way doped down version. Like the ones like talking about how he's got to stop doing this because he needs to make more time for his wife and stuff. And the other guy's like, you've gone soft. He's like, I'll show you soft. And he shoots the Danny McBride character. <laughs> you know, a lot of different things happen. Uh, some great quotes <laughs> that are talking about the various ways you can smoke marijuana. So there's a bong. And James Franco's like, I use a bong. It filters out all the addictive stuff. Like, it doesn't even make any sort of sense. The girlfriend of Seth Rogen's character, who's a high school girl, even though he's like 25, is like, why <laughs> Why don't you act like you care? And he's like, because I'm high. <laughs> just like, he knows like what marijuana is doing to him and like how it does affect him. But he just likes it so much that he just keeps doing it. That brings us to one question. Is this whole question of a lot of people who are pro-marijuana will tell you, oh, it's great because you don't get addicted. And mm. while I don't think you get addicted like you can to cigarettes, or you get addicted like you can to heroin or quite the same dependency that happens with those drugs. I definitely see people who need it emotionally addicted, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. There's something called cannabis use disorder, which is basically an addiction. I mean, it's a different name. You don't often get severe withdrawals, although you can if you stop. But this cannabis use disorder is when people have a persistent desire to get it. They can't get enough. It starts to affect their lifestyle and jobs and school and all this. So it's all the classic addiction list of signs and symptoms. It's just without the physical dependency is not required as part of that diagnosis. Like you get some opiates. Yeah. 
There is also one other thing that it's basically a diagnosis that I never used to see. And I've just seen in the past five years, a massive explosion of this actually. And it's called cannabinoid hyperemesis. Oh, syndrome. I was hoping you'd talk about this. Yeah. Do you see this in your clinic? No, I keep trying to blame it on some things, but I don't think I've ever actually seen it. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> I see it all the time now and I used to never see it. It's the weirdest thing. When I first saw it four or five years ago, I first recognized it. It was in a patient who she was just retching and she'd get so bad cramps and she's vomiting and it was so painful and really dramatic presentation. And she says, yeah, my GI doctor doesn't know what's going on. You know, they've done all the tests and we don't know what this is. And uh, then she said, but I'll tell you what helps is when I get in a hot bath, that really helps. Yeah. And, you know, lights kind of went off in my head. I'd never seen it before, but I'd read about it and just remembered that that's this kind of key word. If a hot bath or a hot shower helps bad abdominal cramping and vomiting, it's almost always cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. So my next question is, do you smoke marijuana? And the answer is yes, I smoke it every day. Um, and this is what happens in a fair number of people. And it used to be classified as a rare disorder, but it is not rare. <laughs> I, I see it all the time now. It's just weird. It's actually become a common question for me when people have undiagnosed abdominal pain, cramps, and vomiting. I say, does hot shower or hot baths help? And more often than not, people will say, yeah, actually it does. Yeah, but doesn't a hot bath and hot shower help everything? Not like And this. then my next question is, do you smoke marijuana? Yeah, I smoke it all the time. The answer to the first question is very predictive of the answer to the second question. And so it's a pretty common thing if you smoke a lot of marijuana. And the problem with it is you can tell people, you know, you need to stop smoking marijuana. You're one of these people that get this disorder and you're going to keep having this happen until you stop but it doesn't help right away. And so it's very hard to get people to do. In other words, people can have this syndrome of bad abdominal pain and vomiting for up to a month or two after they've smoked their last joint. And so it's really hard for them to quit for that long, but they have this sort of constant tug. I don't want to end up in the ER every week versus I don't want to quit my marijuana. So there is this definite use disorder side of things. And, and some of them feel better after they smoke too, right? Yeah. They almost start treating the abdominal pain with the thing that's causing the abdominal pain. Right. They want to smoke more because it helps with nausea and vomiting and it helps with abdominal pain. And when you say smoke, Justin, you just mean ingest THC somehow, right? Like it does, it's not necessarily the smoking part of it, right? Like they yeah. could be eating it or doing whatever they want and same thing. Yeah. And it's funny. I just saw this in my last shift. And like I said, I went five years without seeing it, or at least recognizing it. I don't think I saw it, but now it's just really prevalent. Maybe just because in Utah, marijuana use has become more prevalent over the last five right. years. I think that the one thing I would say about all of these, so one, the disorders, all the disorders you mentioned, are when we talk about disorders, it's almost always from the DSM-5, which is this medical kind of mental illness defining handbook. And it's very important when you say disorder, because these things are all things that affect you negatively. Meaning if you can smoke marijuana and it's not affecting your relationships and it's not affecting the law and it's not affecting like you're doing things that you wouldn't normally do to get it, or it's not affecting your job, then it's not a disorder. But if it's affecting those things, now it's a disorder because even though you're getting negative effects from it, you're still pursuing it. Same with alcohol, same with cigarettes, same with just about anything. Gambling disorder, gambling's not addictive, but it's addictive. 
You know, it's it gives you that rush. So it's not like opioids, but it still does that. And then you get a disorder. Pornography, same type of thing, releases a... And so you can have this pornography use disorder. And so there's all of these different things that... I guess what I'm trying to say is marijuana is no worse than a lot of legal things. And we'll get to it, I think, a little bit as we talk about Friday and maybe even a little in this Pineapple Express. There are a lot of positive things for it. There's a lot of things that it really helps, like nausea and vomiting. In chemo patients, it really kind of helps that. Some people who truly do have anxiety, this is a far better option than benzodiazepines like Xanax and Valium and stuff. Yes. Some people... The wasting disorder and AIDS, very useful for weight gain. Yeah. People who have true sleep disorders, insomnia, way better than Ambien. It's better than a lot of these prescription drugs that we have. I think that part of the thing that's actually helping solve the opioid epidemic is the fact that people use more CBD, the other side of THC, the non-kind of high side of THC, to treat their pain. I can think of a couple of my patients that totally would have been on opioids in five years ago. And now they're on CBD and they're functional. Just like anything, just like we talked about caffeine at the beginning of this thing, you can abuse anything. It can kind of mess you up anyway. You know, when you talk about healthy living, like there's this thing called the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, which is really getting a lot of pull, particularly in the family medicine, primary care community, of ways to treat yourself without medications that you can reverse a lot of health processes, diabetes, high blood pressure, all those things. And one of the things is you do it substance-free. But if you need pain control or you need help with things, this Schedule 1 drug, which should not be a Schedule 1 drug, is so much better than a lot of the Schedule 2 drugs that we prescribe for these things. Yep. That's my soapbox for the medical Preach. side of things. But back to Pineapple Express. Again, just a funny movie. Like If you don't mind some cussing and stuff, it is a hilarious movie. The Danny McBride character gets killed so many times, but keeps just swandering <laughs> around. He gets shot, he gets beat. He's, at some point, the last scene is them just all in a booth at a diner, and they're all just talking, and they're having a good time reminiscing, and Danny Bright's character is just slowly passing out because he's just <laughs> lost so much blood. But they all put their hands in the middle just to recognize what they've all been through. <laughs> and Danny Bright's character just... <laughs> um, and they move their hands and his hand just goes <laughs> and they're like we should probably get him to a hospital <laughs> yeah. I'll go on on a limb Adam and say that I think this is Seth Rogen's funniest movie I mean funniest movie like f- funnier than Superbad uh, funnier Superbad's than pretty good. funnier than Knocked Up I think it's his best comedy I mean it's a starring vehicle for him, and he's not the star in those other two movies. So it's definitely as far as that goes. Knocked up, he is. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess he is. Yeah, never mind. I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking of a forty year old version. Forty year old version. Yeah. 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 Uh, Knocked up is pretty good. I I don't know. I'd have to rewatch those. I haven't watched those in a, in a little while, but this one's very fun. I liked it a lot. I highly suggest it for you and Rachel, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get to my marijuana story. I do things late. I didn't start drinking alcohol until I was really in residency. I mean, I tried it a couple times, but I hated it. Residency did that to a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, medical school did it. I used to hang out with guys in medical school that were functional alcoholics, like functional binge alcoholics. Yeah. Like I, mean, I would go scary. out with them on the weekends and I would drive and we'd go to bars and I would have Sprite and they would get wasted. And I would wake up the next day fine. And <laughs> I was like, this does not look appealing at all. I've always been able to have a really good time sober. People would sometimes ask me if I was drunk at college parties because I just was so crazy. But I never had that problem. <laughs> so then I go to residency and we're like at just some like family medicine conference away from spouses and kids. And I have this friend who really enjoys alcohol. And he's like, do you want to have a drink with me? And I'm like, mm, I don't really like anything. And he's like, 
well, let's try some stuff out. Let's try this. And he gets me like an apple teeny because he's like, thinks that I'm going to like sweet stuff. And I'm like, whew. Isn't that the drink of JD on Scrubs? Apple teeny? Yeah, yeah. That's JD on Scrubs' favorite yeah, drink. That's yeah. very fitting. Yeah, it's way too sour and sugary for me. So I did not like that. He's like, well, I like scotch. He gives me a scotch. And I'm like, <laughs> like I can't handle that one. And he's like, oh, let's try a Long Island iced tea. And I drink it. And I'm like, oh, I actually kind of like this one. And he's like, okay, cool. And I was like, uh, I like a girly drink. He's like, dude, that's pure alcohol. And I was like, oh, cool. I can handle pure alcohol. And I am a big guy and I've always digested it really well. And so I never had any problems. I didn't drink a ton, but Nikki and I started wanting to drink wine. I should probably have to save this story for our alcohol episode whenever we do that. But I get my first hangover <laughs> when I'm, I'm in my 30s. Later on, Nikki's got a friend that's Asian. This is a very common thing for Asians. A lot of them have trouble processing alcohol. So she wants to do something where she can hang out with him and he can also experience a different state of consciousness. So uh, this is before marijuana is recreationally legal. We're living in California, but it is medically legal. One of my MAs, this is so sketchy. <laughs> Did you write yourself a prescription? That's what I was. No, you had to have a special license and I never got that license because I didn't want to be that doctor. So one of my MAs, uncles has a medical dispensary. She says she can get Nikki and I cookies. So she gets two cookies from her uncle and she brings them, gives them to us. And so Nikki and I have half of a cookie each, which is too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the problem with edibles versus, and I tell all of my patients, if they're going to do cannabis, I want them to do oils or edibles or whatever, because even with marijuana being not as bad as say tobacco and stuff, it still can harm your lungs if you're doing a joint every day. You know, it's hailing an inflammable smoke. And vaping also can do damage from like the oil because I'm sure, Justin, you, have you seen vape lung? Vaping can. I, you know, honestly, I actually read something just tonight that talked about the thought that there was lung damage associated with marijuana use. But there was a longitudinal study about marijuana use that did not show that. It okay. showed that there was no lung damage. In fact, there was a mild improvement in your FEV. I've heard that with asthmatics. Some asthmatics say it gets better. I have a hard time believing that, and I'll tell you why in a minute. <laughs> in the words of Nate Dog, smoke weed every day. <laughs> uh, and so... You ate the cookies. Yeah, we get these cookies. We actually, we started with like a third or maybe like a quarter each. And nothing happens, but nothing happens with edibles for about 30 to 45 minutes. We weren't <laughs> patient. We only waited like 15 to 20 minutes. We're like, eh, nothing's happening. And ate the rest of each half. Now, there's a problem here. Nikki's like a foot shorter than I am. <laughs> Do you dunk them in milk? They're so bad. This is why it's like, it's so crazy to me when anyone ever like mistakenly eats like a cookie or a brownie. I can't fathom that. They are so gross. Like they are not a good. <laughs> don't try this at home. Yeah, they're just gross. They don't, I mean, they're not. So like, they taste nauseous. like oatmeal raisin. No, they taste worse than that. So marijuana smells like skunk, right? <laughs> I didn't realize what marijuana smelled like for the longest time. I would go to concerts oh. with, Justin and I's friends, and they would be like, oh, there's marijuana. I'm like, what What are you talking about? Like, I could not identify it. It's the most distinct smell I've ever smelled. In Here my in life Oregon, life. I will go walking with my kids in the woods <laughs> around our houses, yeah. and I'll just be like, nope, yep, someone's smoking marijuana. And the kids will be like, what? <laughs> I thought that was a skunk. I'm like, nope, that's marijuana. And then sure enough, we will pass three teenagers like five minutes later. <laughs> and so, so not good tasting because they taste a lot like they smell. <laughs> but you, I mean, you can chew through it and stuff. So we ate those. So, <laughs> so the first symptom I got was this time warp, this like you can't track time passing almost. So what, what it felt like is I would be sitting on the couch. 
I would be talking to Nikki and she would walk into the kitchen and I didn't track her walking into the kitchen. So she's talking next to me and then she's at the fridge and I don't know how she got there. Like, it's just like this, like, whoa, like, how did you do that? Like, that's amazing. Like, it's like you can warp through time. And it also is really hard to track a conversation, at least for me, at least as high as I was with this cookie. You'd be like, wait, what did you just say? And it would be very disorienting. So a lot of disorienting very early on. And we tried to play Rainbow Road on Mario Kart. And it was just hard to like... You planned this out. Your motor function is just like toast. And it was just like hard to even put the stupid game into the GameCube and like... (laughs) turn on the tv right like i mean it wasn't ridiculous i was it wasn't like stumbling drunk or anything but it just took a little more concentration and focus to do these basic stuff (laughs) and then i hit the very classic cheetos or doritos sounded like the most amazing food in the world like just this is going to satisfy every desire i've ever had and then i got the classic dry mouth that happens and dry eyes and my eyes just felt like there was no more moisture in them and even though i wanted the doritos and cheetos so bad i could barely process them in my mouth it was just like cheesy powder and then like i got this just intense oh i'm about to sleep so soundly oh that sounds so, so nicely good. and i just slept on the couch and i woke up and i felt great that's one of the things that a lot of people who are pro marijuana versus alcohol I didn't get any hangover. I felt like I had slept just beautifully. Like I felt really good the next day. That had been the only time that I had done it just because it was hard to come by. Flash forward to Oregon. Oregon made it legal the year we got here. (laughs) Welcome. Yeah, exactly. And so we bought some like on a date. We went to a dispensary just to see what it was all about. And we bought a couple of joints, promptly hid them in a shoebox of mine in our closet. Those those leather shoes only come out for weddings. When they come out for a wedding next time, people are going to be like, what is going on over here? <laughs> they were in the closet for probably a year or more. So we finally pulled them out. Why'd you forget about them? We just never found the opportunity, I guess. Like we just, okay. we didn't want to do it in the house. And we didn't, yeah, like yeah. it was just like hard to find. So one time we're like, okay, we're going to go up to this park. Me and Nikki, it was like maybe our anniversary. I can't remember. We go up to this park and we're going to smoke <laughs> this thing. Wait, does marijuana expire? I don't think marijuana expires. So we go up to this park. We're not the only one doing this thing at this park. <laughs> and I've never smoked before. And so we light it. It took us forever to light. It's kind of windy up there. And I, I'm like, okay, I'll get it going. So I take this huge, like just, like just, I, 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 I always tell people how to use an inhaler for asthma because you're supposed to like, inhale as you as you use the puff you're supposed to kind of kind of hold it in and then breathe out again and then inhale and i always tell people pot users really know how to use an asthma inhaler and so i'm using i'm using my own process so i like i completely empty my lungs expand them get them nice and open and, and empty them again and then just go and i pull it in and i had this is why i doubt this is why i doubt that it doesn't affect your lungs i had the i didn't think i was going i thought i was going to pass out I coughed so hard, could not get a breath in. I'm just up there going, <laughs> like, like if no one, if anyone had a like a confusion as to what we were doing, it was blown by that. I was coughing for a good like two minutes, where I thought I'm I'm gonna pass out. Nikki's gonna have to like resuscitate me, and then everything calmed down. And one of the reasons you're coughing like that is your body's like chemicals, like smoke, get out, get out, and it's trying to move all that stuff out. But one of the things that happens to smokers is that the initial smoke paralyzes all the hair cells, the cilia in your airways that are trying to push things out. 
And so the second puff goes down easy. And and then Nikki and I proceeded to sit on this little mountain for like 45 minutes. And yes, marijuana expires. Nothing happened. <laughs> it's just like, well, I have a lot of coughing for nothing. Uh, <laughs> I only have the one experience. I kind of enjoyed it. I think Nikki did not enjoy it as much. She got a little more of the paranoia, a little more of the freak out. And again, I think that's uh, more about brain chemistry. I tend to be a kind of a little more relaxed person. So marijuana and me got along. And Nikki tends to be a little bit more, you know, type A, like amped up. And so it brought out that kind of paranoia. She came to a place where it calmed her down a little bit more. But initially she was pretty anxious about it. Like, what's it going to do to me? Is this going to be forever? Like kind of that type of thing. And I think a lot of first timers for sure, like get that, oh crap, my brain is destroyed. I don't see him in my clinic at the time, but I have that story of like, oh, I just like freaked out and stuff. Like, is anything wrong with me? And it's like, yeah, yeah. you're fine. Like you have no permanent damage done. That's fine. So yeah, that was my experience with marijuana. Sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds I actually, awesome. I actually do. I think it was like a really interesting experience to have once. And uh, yeah, I'm a classic example of like, I don't do it all the time. And while it was a fun thing, like I didn't go out and drive and stuff and I didn't burn my house down or anything like that. Uh, I, <laughs> didn't get schizophrenia. Uh, yeah, I ate all the Doritos and the Cheetos. So that was about <laughs> it and stuff. Yeah, it was kind of a cool thing. I would love to do it with friends. Like I would love to go like on a friend trip and just be hanging out and just eat some brownies and just hang out with my friends. I think that would be amazing. Like I, I think it would be so cool just to like chill. That's not to say that. I feel a lot of peer pressure right now. <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm going to do that. I would never force anyone to do it. I would never no. ridicule anyone for not doing it, but I'm saying like, it didn't destroy my life. I'm not doing heroin yeah. now. I didn't like none of those things happened. <laughs> Even though I liked it, I haven't done it since. That was like seven years ago, eight years ago. Well, I tried to do it and it was expired. But <laughs> so it's not like, I think drug use is boils more down to personalities and what's going on in your life than it does the drug a lot of times. That's not to say that lots of good people didn't get addicted to opioids because of painkillers and stuff. For sure that happened. But when you find out people are abusing alcohol, it runs through the family or someone's treating depression, or someone's treating anxiety. And that's how that type of thing can happen and stuff. And, and we, we do it with all sorts of things, all sorts of crutches. People are addicted to television. Like that's how they zone out of the world. So eating. I, yeah, it's just my way of saying marijuana is not the devil. We've got to, instead of demonizing this thing, we've got to really check what the other stuff is. It's the classic conversation that keeps happening every time we have a gun shooting. We do have to treat mental health. I can go into a gun tirade. But we do have to treat mental health. We do have to like watch out for people and just kind of check in and help ourselves through a lot of different things. But anyways, how'd you rate it? Pineapple Express. Your high. My high was a 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> Pineapple Express. This is where it's like hard for me to say. I've never seen someone like Dale who can function like that. But I'm sure I have. And I just don't know it. I have plenty of patients like Justin who use marijuana daily and, you know, have functioning jobs and have lives and stuff. Not like Dale. Dale's smoking it throughout the day because he's got this really kind of weird job. But I have plenty of patients that, you, you know, will use it every night to go to sleep type thing. And they're all functioning people and have families and all that type of good stuff. So since you don't like telling me, because the character by Danny McBride survives, 5 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to watch the movie to see how crazy it is that he survives. I yeah. mean, it's just bananas. <laughs> It's so funny. Oh, the other thing that I did want to bring up with this, just because we talked about legality and why it become illegal. The very, very first scene is they're in an underground bunker in California, which becomes later the place where the drug hideout is. And it's the military testing out marijuana. 
and it's Bill Hader. And the sergeant comes down and he's like, what's the results? Private whatever. And he's smoking and he's just like, he just is back talking. He doesn't care anymore about the structure of the army and stuff. But he's like, this stuff is awesome. We should definitely make this legal. But then he says like, he like flips off the sergeant or maybe he cusses at him or something. <laughs> and the sergeant gets on the phone and he's like, subject XXA, illegal. And I'm like, that actually sounds about right. <laughs> Like, I know that's not how it actually happened, but it feels like America was like a pissed off dad who had a rebellious teenager. And it was like anything that a rebellious teenager is into, it's illegal now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Friday. This is a movie I've always wanted to see, but I've never seen. And Justin, you've never seen it either? No. So this is a cult classic to me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like it's on number one, it's on like TBS anytime you want to watch it. I mean, you could probably flip on TBS at some point anytime tonight and it'll be on. And I think some of the stats to it is so it came out in 1995, which is kind of right in my, like I was a teenager and I, like I think I was a sophomore in high school. Like the, again, this is right in my wheelhouse of movies that I would just laugh and laugh and laugh as I was watching it again. I rewatched it again tonight. It's a movie that I've memorized. Like I, I know every line to it. It's just so good. 91% likes for Google users for Friday, 78% Rotten Tomatoes. Honestly, for a marijuana movie, I feel like that's super high when it comes to the amount of people that liked it. I'll read the description to you. It's Friday and Craig Jones, Ice Cube's character, has just gotten fired for stealing cardboard boxes. To make matters worse, Renton's due. He hates his overbearing girlfriend, Joy, and his best friend, Smokey, played by Chris Tucker, owes the local drug dealer money. And that's all before lunch. As the hours drag on, Jones and Smokey experience the gamut of urban life complete with crackhead shootouts and overly sexual pastors concentrated into one single unbelievable Friday. Who a hype? What? Who a hype? Man, ain't nothing wrong with smoking weed. Weed is from the earth. God put this here for me and you. Take advantage, man. Take advantage. I'm in love with It's hard to describe. Obviously, it's completely outlandish, right? Like all the things that they get into. But essentially, like it said, Chris Tucker plays a drug dealer, a marijuana dealer. He is just so funny. And it just really talks about all of the funny things of urban life that they go through. I mean, the running joke is that Craig gets fired on his day off, which is just right. so funny. They they talk about that nonstop. His dad, like his dad brings him into the bathroom to talk about it while he's taking a dump on the toilet. And Craig's like, can I talk about this another time? He's like, no, I wiped your butt for years. You can sit in here while I'm doing it. And it's just, it's just, I mean, there's just so many one-liners, so many funny things. But of course the centerpiece of the plot is Smokey, which, which is Chris Tucker trying to get Craig high because what has he got to do? It's Friday. You don't got a job. You ain't got nothing to do. So you might as well get high. So, so that's what he does. And they get in this trap with big worm. Who's like the drug dealer. He wants his money. But anyway, some of the, mer- the medical stuff that I thought of, because to be fair, there's not a ton of me- medical stuff here <laughs> is Smokey has a really bad experience smoking weed with, with Hector of the neighborhood. And Hector lets him know that it's laced with PCP. So that, <laughs> that makes Smokey like start like clawing at his shoulders and like all of a sudden he's running down the street naked and he ends up in a chicken coop, which I don't know how many <laughs> chicken coops are in Compton, but like he ends up in a chicken coop scratching himself, acting like a rooster. So I was just curious a little bit about that from your guys' standpoint. I know Justin talked a little bit about it, but you know, how many folks come into the ER like, hey, I thought I was smoking marijuana and all of a sudden this is something very different. And what do we do for that type of thing? 
Yeah, you basically give them benzodiazepines to settle them down. So PCP is a hallucinogenic. So it sort of amplifies the marijuana's potential to cause psychosis. And it causes a lot of psychosis on its own. So combined, it can make you do some wild stuff, as yeah. you probably noted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like Smokey definitely went through some wild stuff. So, yeah. so yeah. does that... I mean, you actually do see that, like you'll do a urine test and they'll test positive for both things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like an apocryphal thing because I didn't realize that happened in this movie. And I'm starting to be like, oh, crap, have I always thought marijuana was laced with PCP just because of what happened on Friday? It's actually just an urban legend. (laughs) So, yeah, at the end of the day, there's not a ton to diagnose from this movie. It's just a really good 90s comedy. I say 90s only from the standpoint that... And I don't want to get too much into this because I was going to wait to my pop culture part of it. But have you guys seen Coming to America 2? Not yet. Did you guys watch it yet? I really wanted to and I haven't. I'm not sure it stands the test of time Friday in the sense of if you grew up in those times and you think and you're in a good mood and, and you like those type of comedies, it will definitely be funny to you and entertaining and you'll like it. But if you're just trying to find a standard comedy and it it just I don't know if you'd laugh as hard as it is. It's more nostalgic to me at this point than it is anything else. So maybe that's why I find it so entertaining. There has to be something to the fact it's always on TBS. But I don't know if if, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know if you're brand new to it, if if you'd laugh as hard as, as I do in the movie. Or maybe it's not even that it doesn't stand the test of time. It's like watching a movie as an adult versus watching a movie as a kid. Like maybe my yeah. kid would watch Friday even now and think this is hilarious, but I've never seen Friday and I watch it. And I'm like, eh, but I'm like, mm, yeah, my teenage self would have thought this like Billy Madison. Yeah. I would 100%. never show a 45 year old Billy Madison for the first time, but yep. I'm totally going to watch Billy Madison with my 15 year old because he's going to love it just as much as I loved it when I was 15. Yep. <laughs> I think Friday is actually probably higher level than Billy Madison, at least whenever no, I for sure. heard it talked about. Well, because Billy Madison's so much of like, I always call it like the Goo Goo Gaga comedy where it's just like, maybe like, I don't know. It's like, it's just, it's, it's Adam it's Sandler. Still Mad- yeah, it's Adam Sandler for sure. Yeah. And this absolutely has real punchlines. Like there, it's a true comedy, right? Like it's, it's not just, you know, slapstick and easy. Gross it's jokes. probably closer to if Pineapple Express is the really sensationalized, funny marijuana story. And then Dazed and Confused is like, yes, this is just like you could have, you could follow most high schools at this time of life and make this movie. Then yours is somewhere in between. Like, yeah, yeah that might be happening in Compton this Friday. Yeah. Or a slightly toned down version of that might be happening in Compton this Friday. Or anywhere in Oregon, in Hillsborough, Oregon. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Patients in the ER tonight might be dancing around naked in his room. <laughs> it happens every once in a while, and you have to stab him with some Ativan and Haldol. <laughs> Before we get to pop culture, one other thing that I just think is absolutely fascinating about marijuana, and one of the reasons I don't think it gives as many withdrawal or dependency things, and one of the reasons we talked about it's not good to test for, it stays in your bloodstream so long because we store it in our fat. And I had this patient who wanted to get his pilot's license and he had to, of course, pass a drug test. And he knew this about marijuana and he'd been a daily marijuana user for like a year and a half. And so he basically was coming in for serial urine screens just to find out when he would test negative finally so that he could go test before he tried to get his pilot's license. It took him a month and a half. And it was so interesting because his levels would change. So like instead of them always decreasing on this slope, He'd get these weird spikes and I'd be like, what happened? Like, did you start smoking again? And he's like, no, no, I worked out really hard that day. So he had like burned fat and released the marijuana into his system. 
And I was like, did you get high after exercising? <laughs> and he's like, I wouldn't say high, but yeah, I noticed. And I'm like, cool, a natural high with a real high. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a very fascinating feature of marijuana and, and might be one of the reasons that people don't withdraw from it. Because if you're just slowly releasing it like that, then you don't have the sharp drop off that you'll have with like a heroin or a cocaine or something like that. Not that necessarily that's something in its favor, just a very interesting thing that happens with it chemically. So yeah, I think that was a fun little episode. Anyone have any parting things about marijuana other than it should be legal and people who are in jail because of marijuana should be released from jail? Yeah. 100%. I mean, so one of the things that I did in pop culture and, and I, I get a lot of flack for this, but I don't care. I watched a documentary on Kim Kardashian and... <laughs> Wait, wait, how do you watch a documentary on someone whose entire life has been reality? Aren't we just, isn't her life a documentary? Well, no, because we know reality TV is not real. <laughs> but really the whole gist of the documentary was based around the fact of really how the OJ Simpson trial has oh, really shaped her life way. in a negative. Well, no, no, it made her life in a negative way because. Negative? Yeah, well, because. Fame comes with a price. Adam. Well, no, 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 because because Kim Kim's mom was best friends with Nicole Brown Simpson. And her dad defended OJ. No, I know why OJ happened. I'm just saying, isn't Kim Kim because of that? Isn't Robert Kardashian famous because he defended OJ? And therefore the Kardashians are famous because of OJ? Like, I'm not saying that there wasn't no. negative things that happened from that. But I think a lot of positives happened from that for them. Like, would the Kardashians exist without the OJ Simpson trial? Yes. You think so? Yes, because, and I don't know if we get too deep into this, the sex tape that Kim had. Only because she was famous in those circles. She wasn't that famous then. She was famous enough because of she, that. She connection. was famous enough to date celebrities and right. she was a rich kid in Beverly Hills. I'll give right. you that. Yeah. But there's no way they would be as as big as they are now without. No, no, that that's for tape. sure. But I'm, I'm saying yeah. like, that's the obvious like, bam, here's Kim Kardashian. She's on the scene, but she's only able to date the celebrity because she's. I don't know. She was only like 14 or 15 years old when the OJ trial was like, she was young. So I, I don't know, but whatever. Anyway, the whole, the whole, the whole point of the documentary was so, more so of like how it kind of put a wedge. Her dad died a couple months after the, the verdict was done with OJ. Yeah. So they'd never had a real chance to repair that and how kind of in society Kim is kind of noticed as more of a joke. Like they had a bunch of like Barbara Walters saying like, how are you so popular and famous for being talentless and just all this stuff? And frankly, you could go down a path of saying it takes a lot of talent to get to where they are and the marketing geniuses that they have and the business that they have and all the different things that they've been able to parlay is really amazing. But what it, what it's done for Kim is she also had a really traumatizing experience where she got held at gunpoint and was the result of a robbery in France where literally she thought she was going to die and they stole all her jewelry and everything. But what that did is it led her down this road of not caring so much about materialistic things, which is kind of weird when you think of the Kardashians, but that's what she was saying and how she wanted to be able to help people. So I don't know if you know this about her, but she's actually going to law school to be able to help folks that are incarcerated unjustly. So the first person that she actually helped out was a lady and I didn't grab her name, but she was serving a 22 year sentence for her first nonviolent drug offense in Texas. Yeah. And Kim and her legal team really went to bat for her and gave her the funds, which she did not have to be able to really fight the case and be able to free her. And that's been Kim Kardashian's main mission the last four or five years is to be able to work with these folks that are incarcerated just for the wrong things. 
Yeah. Which kind of leads us to what our topic was today, which is just like you said, so sad, right? Like how many people, I mean, we have states that have it legal now. Recreational use is legal, yet we have folks that are doing 20-year sentences for first-time offenses still in jail, incarcerated for things that people could do on the street legally now, which is just, yeah. it's wild. It's wild. So. Anyway, that that's part of the pop culture I, I watched. I did watch Coming to America in a way. So I'll be honest, team. It was so bad that I couldn't even finish the whole thing. I only got Damn. into it maybe 30 minutes or so. And I think the problem that I have with it is I love the first one. I mean, that's another one that I could literally memorize. I've watched it so many times. I felt like they tried so hard to bring back every character and every joke that they could into the second one that it just, it, it encompassed the movie. Like it, it just, it stepped on every joke. Like it just, it it's was so predictable. Too. Yeah. Instead of saying like, here are the characters that you love. They said, no, here are the characters you love in the exact same situations. 30 years Doing later. the same thing. Let's recreate it. Yes. Yeah. 100%. So I'll let you guys be the judge. You're more than welcome to watch it. I mean, I'm go for to. it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And then last but not least for my pop culture was, did you guys watch the Meghan Markle interview with Oprah? No, I trusted you to watch it for me. Okay, I did watch it. Uh, it was pretty wild. I mean, it wasn't surprising in the sense that when you think of the royal family, I think of a bunch of old, white, stuck-in-their-way family. And Harry has... Uh, African-American wife and a mixed race family. And that brought a lot of tensions into the Royal family that it should be surprising, I guess, to me, but it just isn't. And, you know, some of the things they talked about and how Meghan Markle, the, I think the biggest revelation that came out with it was just super sad, but she was suicidal while she was there. I mean, they wouldn't let her leave. They wouldn't let her do anything. And she confessed to her husband, which is a very courageous thing to do, which I hope everyone has the courage to do. But she confessed to her husband that I'm going to take my life if something doesn't change and they were able to break away from the traditions and everything that went on to be able to be pretty happy right now so all good things takes a lot of courage for sure oh tons tons so yeah i've been reading a lot about it and it got me to this interview that john oliver did with stephen colbert and they were just talking about the royal wedding and stuff and john oliver's like hold just take on the royal family is so great. So he says, they're an emotionally stunted group of fundamentally flawed people doing a very silly pseudo job. That's what she's married into. So I hope she likes it. It's going to be weird for her. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. And it's a shame too, because when you think of the area that the royal family encompasses, right? And all the different countries that they do, Meghan Markle was talking about like 70% of the population is African-American. And this was a really good opportunity for them to show that, you know, the family, I don't want to say it's evolved, but like we're open to our people. We're open to the folks that are constituents, if you will. Right. And they just really did the opposite, which is just super sad. It reminds me just like stepping off of that. And even what you're talking about with the Kim Kardashian story, your pop culture share from a couple of weeks back about the Britney Spears documentary and just how women in general, uh, this one's women and race. But just women in general in our society have just been treated so poorly, even if they're celebrities and stuff, just the creepy things that guys will do. There's some really bad, like aged bad. Well, not even aged badly. Like they, they're creepy in the day, like David Letterman, like putting Jennifer oh, yeah. hair in his mouth during an interview, which is just so weird. And just yep. the questions, like even some of the women will ask them, like you said, like what Barbara Walters asked Kim Kardashian or what some of the women like Diane Sawyer asked Britney Spears, just these like really leading, really shaming type things. It's just a shame to see. I, 
I won't even say as a, sometimes guys will say as a father of a daughter type thing. No, just as a human being, like why are we treating this other gender as so dismissive and stuff? It's the same things you saw, again, regardless of your politics, Hillary Clinton got treated poorly in her election against Donald Trump because she was a woman. A lot of it was because of the way people feel about the Clintons and stuff, but there was a ton just because she was a woman type thing. And it's just, I just hope that our country can evolve as how they treat women and that some of these things will swing the pendulum kind of the other way and that'll just improve. Well, I just think it's becoming absolutely more acceptable for women to speak out for their own rights and for men to come to their defense as well to be able to give them the grounds to be able to do that. Like, I don't mean to say it that way, but you know what I'm saying? To be supportive. And, and that's the beauty of the time we live in now. And it's a shame. It's it's interesting when you think of some of the political uh, folks that we've had in office recently and some of the things they're doing, but the powerful messages that we have also that are becoming so strong and that people are not afraid to step out and support folks that haven't had the same power as they've had it in this country in, in the past. And it really does... You know, we talked about earlier that, you know, as a parent, I'm a little afraid for my kids, right? For some of the things that they're going to have to face as they get older. But one of the things that I'm excited for them about is the world that they could live in where it is more acceptable to just be accepting. And I- I'm happy for that. I'm glad that that's happening. Yeah, me too. Pop culture, Jay? This is kind of right along the same subject. It's a movie called One Night in Miami. Oh, yeah. We watched that. I thought it was really good. Although it was a little bit slow. There's not a ton of plot. It's mostly dialogue. And it's a an account of a night where Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown all sort of gather together and have a meeting and discussion about what they can do to advance the civil rights movement in 1964. And it's really cool sort of history lesson. I mean, obviously, the dialogue is all sort of fictionalized because nobody knows exactly what was said. But is it a real night? Yeah, I mean, it's a real night. But forward together. Like February 25th, 1964, I think, where they all kind of met okay. and discussed it. But, you know, the discussion that happens in the movie is fictionalized to a point. But it is sort of about how Malcolm X influences Muhammad Ali to join the Islam faith. But then the same night, he kind of discusses how he's starting to move away from the leadership in Chicago of Islam. And and then they discuss how Sam Cooke, the great singer, could do more for the civil rights movement. And Jim Brown is obviously integral to the sports influence in the civil rights movement. It was really good. I, I liked it. I didn't love it because it was slow and a little long, but I really liked it. And I loved uh, Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke. He's amazing. And that voice mm. is to die for. But I would recommend it for sure. Cool. Where do you find it? It's on Amazon Prime. Okay. Since we last talked about pop culture, I've watched Coming to America, the original, twice. <laughs> I just I watched it one time on my own, and Nikki came about halfway through, and we laughed quite a bit. And then we wanted to watch the sequel, but Nikki wanted to watch it with the kids, so we watched it all again with the kids. <laughs> 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 I'm like... I haven't seen this movie in like 10 years and I've seen it twice in two weeks. This is nuts. And and I still haven't seen the sequel because Cameron was like, we just watched the first one. And (laughs) so I saw that twice. I watched Uploaded because Nick won't watch anything you suggest to him. So you suggested I suggested that. If you suggest stuff to Nick, just know you're giving me an assignment. That's what's happening. All of Nick's (laughs) buddies and listeners out there. And so Nick wanted me to watch this because he knows I also enjoy The Office and Greg Daniels is the creator of Uploaded. It is good. It's like not got my strongest recommendation, but it, I definitely would recommend it. Like it's definitely very different than anything like The Office or 
Parks and Rec or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which are all kind of Greg Daniels adjacent. But it's got a clever premise. It's about this idea and kind of the singularity type idea where we can upload ourselves into basically a digital mainframe. So when we die, we don't die as long as you do it before the person dies. So you can't do it after someone dies. If they're still alive, it's kind of like the whole idea with organ transplants. You have to do it while they're still functioning. You have to make this decision. In fact, the first scene is them going in a hospital and the ORs this way and the uploads this way. And you've kind of got to <laughs> make that decision. You might die in the OR. Do you want to risk it? And then when they upload you, you they basically blow your head off. It's so, it's, so <laughs> in, it's so intense, but it's such a funny scene because his girlfriend is paying to get him uploaded because it's very expensive to get uploaded. And his girlfriend's super rich and she just wants him to get uploaded so that they can someday be there together. So she's trying to convince him to do it, and she convinces him to do it, and she's watching through the window as they get ready to upload him. <laughs> and he's like, where's my mom? I want to talk to my mom. And she's like, I don't know, honey. And the guy who's uploading is like, we got to do this now. We got to do this now. And he's like, but I want to see my mom. And she's like, it's okay. And she's just looking at him all nice. And they put him in this little machine, and it just goes, blam! And his head just is gone. And it's just like this fried neck. And the girl, the, the, the right then, the mom comes through, and they both just are like, ah! because they've never seen it before. And then his, the guy who's doing the upload has just put a tub in front of the chair. And he's like, what's that for? He's like, don't worry about it. And the body just like falls over into the tub. And the parents and the girlfriend and the mom are like, ah! And then there's, on top of it, there's this whole mystery conceit as well. Seems very medically realistic. Yes, very medically realistic. And then there's this whole other conceit of like, maybe he actually got murdered. And that's what's kind of driving the whole plot forward as, as well as him getting to know the other digital upload people and the funny things that you can do in a digital upload, but that even as a digital upload, there's pay to play type things. So he can't get the best food. He can only get the continental breakfast. If he wants like the bacon covered <laughs> shrimp, it's going to cost him an extra dollar. So you have to be really rich. There's a Coke brother like alternative in this other world. And he just like hunts man, <laughs> like in, the, in a digital <laughs> way and stuff. And it's definitely got some good conceits. It's not like laugh out loud funny, like the office or parks and rec and stuff but it's clever and it's pretty well done. So yeah, I, okay. I recommend it. So I have something for you because the guy who recommended upload, I was telling yeah. him about how I didn't watch it, but I, Adam watched it and he really liked it. So he goes, okay, well I'll have another one for Adam, which, <laughs> which is obviously for me, but it's for Adam. He said, no, this is much, <laughs> this is much different. This is not a comedy at all, but he, he thinks you'd like it because he, he kind of thinks you're right up his alley. It's called line of duty. Yeah, you already recommend it. It has five seasons, and I'm like, mm, no, upload it. Did I recommend that already? Yeah. Line yeah. of Duty? Yeah. Oh, I, I apologize. Because I, I finished uploaded in two nights. <laughs> 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 I lost a lot of sleep. <laughs> but I looked up Line of Duty, and I'm like, five seasons? No, this will destroy my life. Okay. <laughs> maybe I'll watch Line of Duty, and I'll start it and see. Yeah, maybe you will. Because it's an anti-corruption cop movie. I don't know. Our show, I thought it looked pretty good. But The last question I had is actually for Justin. My mom actually wanted me to ask you. What okay. do you think about all the Bachelor stuff? Because that's all happened in the Ooh. past three weeks. So this is what happened. I don't know. I just saw it on Twitter that Chris Harrison was caught up in a racial insensitivity controversy. And that he left the show. And now Emmanuel Atua. Yeah, I think that's right. Is uh, doing the last episode which I think he's a great choice, but I don't know what happened. And I keep my distance mostly from The Bachelor. So I wish I could answer your mom's question better. Rachel is upstairs watching The Bachelor right now. We started watching it yesterday. 
And I kind of got a little impatient with her. And I was like, Rachel, why are we watching The Bachelor? <gasps> Justin. Oh, wait, I thought you liked it. I'm confused. I get like mixed messages with you in The Bachelor. Yeah, there's a lot of mixed messages, <laughs> mixed feelings there. But if I'm being honest, I, sometimes I don't love to watch it. Other times I'll sit there while it's on with my wife and oh, okay. try to get involved. So that's kind of what happened. But last night it wasn't working for me. But so I don't know. Okay. Well, no, that's interesting because that was my initial impression of how you liked The Bachelor. And then like three or four weeks ago when you talked about it, I was like, oh, he actually likes The Bachelor. That was a misdirect. It was a little bit of sarcasm in my report a few weeks ago. (laughs) It's his way. He's trying to be nice, but it's his way of taking digs at what I like on TV. That's what he's doing. I saw right through it the whole time, though. Oh, I did it, man. Your sarcasm was so dry. I didn't catch it at all. Funny. Sorry, Leslie. I'll I'll catch up tonight. Yeah, because she, she got misdirected, too, because she was like, oh, Justin must like it. Ask him what he thinks about the new host. I think the new host is great. Okay, Mom. I love Emmanuel Achua. Am I getting the name right? I think so. I think he's a great dude and perfect choice. But Well, please participate with us on Twitter, on Instagram, at Facebook, popmedpodcast.com. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, take care. See ya. See ya.